Well, you ready for the Word of God today? Amen. All right. Second of the series, Bearing Good Fruit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for your Word so rich in our hearts. We ask you to open our hearts and our ears to receive what you have to say. Guide my mouth to speak the things that you want me to say to your people. And for this, we give you the praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is the second part of bearing good fruit. And we talked about that we're supposed to bear good fruit, not bad fruit. You ever have fruit laying around the house and you went to go get it and it's, oh, what happened to it? It looks so good, but all of a sudden now it's smished and smashed and stinky and you, you don't want that. You, you, you don't want to be bad fruit. You don't want to be sour grapes, right? Uh-huh. You don't want to be bitter lemon. You don't want to be rotten apples because one bad apple spoils the whole bunch. And those are the kinds of people you don't invite to your parties. You don't want no sour grapes, bitter lemons, or sour apples coming to your, your, your uh, activity. So if you don't get invited to things, you better check yourself and see if you got any fruit growing, you know. <laughs> you, you want some good fruit, right? You want, to have, you want to be a cheery cherry, a peachy keen person, or a hot tomato like my wife. Now... Now, her brother's here, so we have to be, you know, keep it calm. But we did, we did a research, and is a, fruit a, is a tomato a fruit or a vegetable? And I heard very clearly from Regina it was a fruit, right? Well, I did some research on that because I'm not going to just take any, you know, buddy's side on this. And it actually, scientifically, bot bot botanically speaking, a fruit because it has seeds in it. It comes off the vine. Well, actually, there was a Supreme Court ruling that called it a vegetable. Because in cooking, it, you, don't, you cook with a tomato as a vegetable because it has a savor. You know, fruit is like a dessert. What about the bell pepper? That has seeds. Okay, can you, can you get him out of here? You know? <laughs> Uh, and it has no seeds? Oh, a big seed, that's right. But see, it's not that seed, the bell pepper is not a seed-producing seed. You know, I mean, a fruit, it doesn't reproduce. So we're going to have to go back to the drawing board, look at that a little more closely. But if you look, it says that a tomato is a fruit. All right, let's put that to rest right now, okay? No more, you know, grumblings here. But anyway, God wants us to bear some fruit. That's the whole option. Uh, that's the whole uh, uh, idea. Let me see the, the slide here. It says now in John 15, verses 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. So this appointment, this is an ordaining of God that he chose us. Isn't that good news that he chose us? You ever been, remember when we were in grade school and they would choose up sides on a team? And they have a big line, and they would choose, and you'd oh, choose me, choose me, choose me. And, and, you know, sometimes you're near the top, sometimes you're near the bottom, and if you don't, you don't want to be, like, at the very last. And you, you, I was always chosen near the top, but as I got older and my skills diminished, when they choose up sides now, I'm more near the bottom, 
In fact, one time I was playing some, with some kids that I didn't know, and they were choosing up sides, and they were choosing all their friends, and they were kind of overlooking me, and I'm going like, don't you know me? Don't you know what I can do? And so finally got to the last thing. He said, well, we'll take the old man. I said, whoa, come on. What's up with that? The old man. But <laughs> I know. I know why they said old man after I started playing with them, though. They're <laughs> like, I had to grab them. Stop, stay right there. Because <laughs> when you get old and you see the ball running, you know, when you were younger, you just go get it. When you're older, you have to tell yourself, there's the ball. Start to go running now for it. There's like a little delayed reaction. But God chose us. He chose us. He appointed us to bear fruit, right? So we can't just say we don't have any fruit. How do we bear fruit? Abiding in the vine. Abiding in him. We don't have to produce it ourselves. We just, as we are near God, we're near the Lord, the Holy Spirit will direct us in what we're supposed to do. We'll have a desire to love others, so we have a desire to reach out to others. We have a desire to help others. That's just fruit that comes because you have the love of God on the inside of you. Amen? So we'll have a difference in our life. You know, we are out here helping out Trinity Youth Services, people of all ages that need to be adopted from zero all the way up to 20 years old. And so that... They, someone put that in someone's heart to do that. And so we had a director, one of the ladies, was doing the announcements. And I said, wow, you did the announcements really good. You should have a career in that. She said, actually, that's what I wanted to do. You know, I wanted to be in, in broadcasting and newscaster, but the Lord took me in a different direction. So there's a scripture in Proverbs 16, 9. says, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So, so many times we get an idea, we want to do something, but as you get close to the Lord, he directs us in the place that we're supposed to go to produce fruit. And he chose us to do that. He appointed us to do that. In Jeremiah 29, 11, we all know that one, right? I know the plans that I have for you, thoughts of peace and of good to give you a future, give you a hope. He's not out there saying, well, you know, I just don't know what to do with you. <laughs> You're just kind of like loose bicycle parts that we don't know, you know, well, that's... The bike's together and we have these extra parts, well, we'll just throw them away. No, God's not that way. He has a plan. In fact, in Psalms 139, it says that he, um, he, 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 he designed us. He, he formed us in his mother's womb. He made us, and that word made is made for a purpose. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. He, 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 he called us before the foundation of the world before he said, let there be light, he said, let there be Ernie. Amen? <laughs> and he, had a, he, he, he can think ahead and knows what you need and goes with, puts things on the inside of you for your desire to be exactly what he's predetermined you to be. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which he has be before preordained that we should walk in him. He already has this thing figured out. We just got to get in line. Oh, this is the line. Okay, let's get in here and do what God has called you to do. Praise the Lord. Now, now what kind of fruit are we talking about? Uh, let's look at this next slide. And in... The, and, and, Again, we are the, we, um, Jesus is the vine, we are the branches, whoever abides in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing, nothing. 
The types of fruit that we're looking at. Next slide is, there's seven of them. Fruit of righteousness, you just got you actually have to do them all. Fruit of righteousness, fruit of holiness, the fruit of our lips, the fruit of soil winning, the fruit of giving, the fruit of good works, and the fruit of the Spirit. We briefly went over all of them last week, but we're going to talk about the first four today. My son's going to do fruit of giving and good works next week, and then um, Ivory's going to do fruit of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. So fruit of righteousness, let's look at this. Uh, you can go back. Oh, okay, we can leave there, okay. The fruit of righteousness means that we have been... Well, why don't you go to the next slide? How many of you, of you here are righteous? Do we have any righteous people in here? We've got, got one hand, two hands, three. Uh, righteous. I mean, I mean, all the way right... Yeah? Yeah? In Christ, right? In Christ. There you go. Say, see, righteousness is in Christ Jesus. It's a gift from God. We're not righteous in our own way, right? We're apart from the law. In the law, we all are sinners. So righteousness is the state of being in right standing with God. Now, the confusion is, positionally, we are, right, we are righteous. But uh, practically, uh, we're working on it. <laughs> we don't always do the righteous things, right? But progressively, we are attaining to the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Let me uh, go into this a little bit more. Let's go to the next slide here. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God, as Sylvia said, in him. And I can remember a while back, Sylvia says, but it says might in there. Is that maybe yes or maybe no? So again, I had to go to the research and look up might. And I like this about might. It means to come into existence, to come to pass, to happen, to come upon the stage. <laughs> Hallelujah. We come upon the stage as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The whole earth waiteth and groaneth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Hallelujah, we came, we're here. Amen? It means to appear in history, to be made, to finish. We have come upon the stage of life to bring the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? We're justified. Isn't that good news? You know what justified means, right? Just if I'd never sinned. That is so good, isn't it? That God washed away all of our sins. Everything that we have done, are doing, and will do has been washed away by the blood of the Lamb. That is, so good. That is the greatest news I ever heard. I remember one time we prayed for this one fellow who was older. And uh, uh, we said, you know, you, you can have uh, salvation. You can get to heaven by praying to God and receiving Jesus into your heart. He goes, you mean I can pray one prayer? And it'll wash away all the sins that I've ever done for all of my life? He says, that's almost impossible to believe. I go, yeah, that's the mercy and the grace of God. That he wants those to come to him so that he can clean, cleanse them and clean them of all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. Amen? Now, now here's the, the, another translation of this. Uh, in first, uh, next, next slide. Well, of course, we know Jesus paid the price on the cross. For our sins. 
And then the next scripture is 2 Corinthians. In the Amplified, it, it amplifies it a little bit more. 2 Corinthians 5.21, He made Christ, who knew no sin, to be judicially be sin on our behalf so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. That is, we would be made acceptable to him and placed in a right relationship with him by his gracious, loving kindness. Amen? This, in other words, he took our punishment for us. We, you know, it says right there, he who knew no sin. Guess what? We can know no sin as well. We, we can live holy, righteous before him. Yes, we can. Because we have the divine nature on the inside of us. You know, when, when pastors fall or when people fall, they say, oh, well, you know, he's just human. Yeah, he's human, but he has the divine nature on the inside of him. Supposed to be talking to him and making him want to live for God, want to make him live holy. Isn't that not true? So in, in Romans 1.18, it says, God's wrath was revealed from heaven against all mankind, but Jesus Christ took the punishment away and the wrath of God away from us. Uh, one brother said, I didn't even know God was mad at me. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was mad at all mankind for the sin that was, came upon us through Adam. Now, I've done this before, and maybe we can do it again, because just, just to get a clarification. And you know Adam's sin, right? God came to Adam. He said, Adam, you can eat of all the fruit in the garden, but you can't eat from this one tree, the knowledge of good and evil. That's, that's, that's the, 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 the abundance of God. You can eat the, any, anything you want, but just don't eat this one. He was testing them. So, so uh, Richard, if you come up and play Adam for me. <laughs> Big, strong Adam. If you stand right there, Adam, I'd appreciate it. All right, right there. Okay, yeah. All right, very good. Now, oh, you need an Eve, right? Yeah, Eve, Eve, come on up here. <laughs> Don't worry, it's a non-speaking part. You're all right. <laughs> so, so God came to Adam. He said, now, Adam, I want you, not, you can eat of everything, but don't eat of that tree, the fruit of that tree. You got it? Okay, tell your wife. Okay, make sure you tell your wife. Okay, right, okay. So the devil, who wants to be the devil? <laughs> Ernie, come on, Ernie, you're the devil. <laughs> come over here and, and, and seduce the girl. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you want to eat of the apple? All right, okay. So Eve eats of the apple. Adam is standing right there. You eat of the apple. Go ahead. All right, very good. Okay, devil. <laughs> now, what, what, what happened to Adam when Eve ate the apple? Nothing, right? Why? Because God made covenant with Adam. Adam was the head of the covenant. So everybody that was born after Adam, let's have some people that were born, Ivory and Sylvia, you come up and you be, you be people that were born after Adam. Be in, be in front of Adam there. Be in front. Yeah, be in front. All right, there you go. And we're going that way. Anybody else? Okay. But, but now guess what? Jesus came. Elder Charlie, why don't you be, the, be Jesus today? You got promoted. Praise the Lord. <laughs> the second Adam, right. 
You'd be over here, Jesus. Now, he came and he lived the perfect life. He didn't eat the apple. He didn't talk bad. He didn't do bad. Nothing. He, he lived a perfect life, which is pretty amazing. 33 years of not having any sin. Amen. How many of you can go that long? How about a week? Maybe till midnight tonight. <laughs> so I don't know how people can say that Jesus was not God, and, but he lived a perfect life. How, how could a human do that? I don't think Muhammad could do that or Buddha could do that, but Jesus did. He lived a perfect life. So, so, so God, he, uh, Adam messed up with his covenant. Abraham messed up with the covenant. Moses messed up with the covenant. David really messed up with the covenant. And then, you know, the, you know that saying that if you want something done, do it yourself. God said, if, if I want it done right, I'm going to have to come down myself in Jesus. So here comes Jesus. Now, everybody that accepts Jesus, his righteousness, his goodness, his perfectness, can receive everything that Jesus has. Amen. So, Sylvia, come on up here. You're, you're, Sylvia, come on up. You'd be right here. So you, you, you accepted Jesus, right? Yeah. You're in here. Okay. Now, how about all you all over here? You're going you're gonna to go over to oh, Jesus? Yeah. yeah. You, you want to stay with this covenant or that oh, covenant? Okay, okay. Okay. Yeah, you're going to be right over here. And Jesus. Yeah. We don't know what we're going to talk about Adam, right? When we, now, when we get to heaven, please don't blame Adam for what he's done, right? Because Adam, he, he blames Eve. Eve blames Satan. And Satan, he doesn't have a leg to stand on, right? <laughs> so now what happens if ivory messes up? Exactly right. Nothing, the covenant is not broken because ivory sins, because the covenant is with Jesus. Just like our cov God's covenant was with Adam, and all of us inherited Adam's disobedience because of Jesus, we all inherit his obedience. Hallelujah, we're all obedient in Christ. Amen. Give yourselves a hand. Thank you very much. So, so God... He's a holy God. Did you know that? He's a holy God? Yes. Holy and righteous, and we are what? Sinful and deceiving and wretched, right? <laughs> so, so to be close to him, he had to, he had to wash us and cleanse us and make us holy in his sight. Now, the only way I can relate to this, I was trying to get a, an example. You say you got a guy that is an Olympic athlete, you know, very in tune. His body's real in tune, like, like a Francesco, something like that. <laughs> works out. He's already on my blacklist because he, he, he beat me in basketball over here. So I was sacrificing my ego so that he would come and say, what a nice pastor. He let me, he, he <laughs> I beat him and he's still smiling. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you know, a, a guy that's a good athlete, trained, eating the right foods, you know, berries and nuts and, and you know, cuts up his vegetables and everything, and he's going to room with a guy who all he does is sit around and drink beer, big, big beer belly and potato chips coming out of his mouth and <laughs> French fries and hamburgers and, you know, falling asleep in front of the TV. Do you think they're going to be a good match? <laughs> Are they going to be good roommates? So God in his holiness, his righteousness, his purity 
hanging with us? How's that going to be? We need a washing. We need a, a cleansing of the Lord. We need someone to come in and make the difference, right? So that God is able to dwell with us. Amen? Isn't that good news? Don't think you're so holy that you, that, that you can hang with God by yourself. You, you, Lord, I, I'm, I humble myself before you. I worship you, Lord. I thank you for your goodness. Amen? So breaking it down into a um, real easy translation like the Message Bible, in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says, God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. <laughs> wrong, right, right? <laughs> Pretty easy to understand, right? Yeah. There you go. So uh, let's move on here. In 1 John 3, 9. Okay. Let me skip one. There we go, okay. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. Are you born of God? Does not sin. What does that mean? Does not sin. <laughs> it's a lifestyle. You can't keep sinning. You can't keep saying no to the Spirit of God and say, I'm just going to keep doing this on and on and on. There has to be uh, something on the inside of us a righteousness that says, I can't keep going on like this. I don't like dwelling with this. How can righteousness dwell with unrighteousness? Amen? How can the two come together? So we have to have a conviction in our heart to say, I'm going to be changed. I'm going to allow. You have to make up your mind. I'm not going to be subject to this. I'm not going to allow this thing to take control over me. I am free in Christ. I don't have to sin. I have been delivered from darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son. So don't make excuses for yourself and say, well, I just can't do it. I'm just stuck. I'm just captured. No, you're not. You're free to do what God has called you to do. The Bible says hunger and thirst after righteousness. And when you do that, you'll see things change because the more you keep saying no to God, you sear your conscience. And all of a sudden, now you can't hear from God, and you're doing whatever you want to do, and God can't even get a hold of you. He can't direct you. He, he, he doesn't have a heart to, to talk to That's why he says, I, I never knew you. You did all these works. You laid hands on the sick. You went to church. But I don't know you. I tried to tell you some things, and you didn't want to listen to me. And I'm going to show you some things, how God talks to the people that are, have gone to hell and, and how they've turned their back and turned their ears from listening to him and found out that they got into a place where they said, I should have listened. Because we can't be going on here like this is just a, a, a playground, like we're just having fun and just doing whatever we want to do. Don't you know there's a judgment time coming and God's going to look at us, at the works that we do, the, the words that we say out of our mouth and say, did you honor me? Did you glorify me? Or were you just doing your own thing? There's people going to hell, and they don't know. We have to go out and tell people, look, at there's danger coming if you don't uh, change your ways and give your heart to the Lord. So uh, let's look at this in, um, in, I think this is Amplified, yeah. Now, no one who is born of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. Do we have anybody out there like that? No. <laughs> because God's seed, his principle of life, the essence of his righteousness character remains permanently in him who is born again, who is reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for his purpose. And he who is born again 
cannot habitually live a life characterized by sin because he is born of God and longs to please him. I mean, is that a mouthful or what? Is that telling it like it is? You can't be, keep having anger. You can't keep doing your own thing. You can't keep, you know, doing all, fill in the blank, whatever your sin is. You can't keep looking at the internet. You can't keep doing those things because you're searing your conscience. You're closing yourself off to the to things of God. And I want to share with you, you know, what you are is what you've been watching, what you've been thinking about. It's, it's your soul. It's your soul. What's in your soul? And if I could describe it, you know, like when you go out on, on a picnic and they have that cylinder thing with a light and it zaps the bugs. The bugs come and they zap and they, they stick to it. That's the way our soul is. And, and things that we're in contact with, it sticks to us. And all of a sudden, we start being and doing the things that we've seen and heard, and we don't even know why we're doing them, but it just stuck in us. How many times have you heard somebody say something, and then it comes back out in a day or so? I want to share something, but I don't... <laughs> it's, it's kind of a... I, I, we were watching this movie. <laughs> uh, what's that guy's name? Anyway, they, they, they made a... Uh, an obscene gesture, and I'm just like, oh, that's terrible. And so we were talking. Uh, actually, uh, Arturo was with me. We were having lunch, and I was, text I was talking uh, on the cell phone, and they said, well, uh, they go, why are you talking? Why don't you, is your fingers too fat? <laughs> and I said something about a finger, and I said, <laughs> I said, why did that come out? Why did that come out of my mouth? Because it was put in there. It was zapped in there in me. And so we, we, we see all this, this, this shooting that's going on in the nation, and yet we watch it on TV all the time. In fact, we pay money to go to the movies to watch people get shot up and blown up. And then we wonder, why are they doing that? It's been put in their spirit, right? So we're going to talk about holiness, the difference between righteousness and holiness. See, the basic difference is that righteousness is the state of position. You're positioned in Christ. Now, holiness is what we, uh, our state of our character. Holy means to be set apart. God says, be ye holy, for I am holy. In other words, set yourself, I'm setting you apart. I'm calling you mine, and I want you to call me yours. He's a jealous God. He wants our attention. He wants our thoughts. He wants everything that we're doing to be thinking about him all the time. Holiness points to how you are, and righteousness points to where you are. You're positioned in Christ. But now, how are you going to live that out? Are you going to live a holy life? The definition of holiness is consecration, purification, and to be set apart. He has separated us. He wants us to be his, right? Let's look at this next scripture in 1 Thessalonians 4, 7. It says, For God hath, called, hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. The holiness of God. Praise the Lord. It also means to be pure, to be holy. I feel this, presence, I feel this Holy Spirit right now. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, Holy Spirit. Just come. Guide and direct us to follow after your holiness, your purity, your love. Thank you, sweet Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. 
Amen. Next scripture says in Hebrews 12, 14, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. When I first saw the scripture, I said, Wow, do, do you want to follow? Do you want to see the Lord? You have to follow after peace? Are you living peaceably with all men? Or I just, I'm, bless God, I'm just fed up with that person. Don't talk to me. Don't mention that person's name. I'm not going to that place because so-and-so is going to be there. That's not peace. And holiness without which no man shall see God. That is, that's strong scripture, isn't it? So we have to be that, that type of people where we, we have a desire to be holy. I'm going to move ahead now and go on to this next scripture. The, now, this, the fruit of our lips, Proverbs 15, 28 says, the heart of the righteous studies how to answer. Are you just talking? Or are you studying? The righteousness on the inside of it. it says the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever's on the inside of you, your, your, your righteousness, your holiness should speak and say the things that God wants you to say. So you study, you say, oh, is this going to be edifying to the person? Or is this going to tear them down? Is this going to make them angry? Is this the right thing to say? Am I just having fun? Am I causing discard or, or disharmony amongst the brethren? But the mouth of the wicked pours out evil thing. Are you, which one are you, right? Blessing or cursing is coming out of your mouth. So we have to, to be um, cognizant of that. Let's see the scripture, right? Let's see the next one. See, so what is she doing? She's studying. Do you take that extra... Two seconds, three seconds to think, hmm, I have to catch myself all the time. You know, some things I want to say, and I go like, hmm, no, I don't think I should say that. You, you, all, you all know what I'm, you, you know what I'm talking about? Okay. Sometimes you do good, sometimes you don't. But the Bible says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Proverbs 25, 11. Okay, the last thing is we only have about five more minutes I want to talk to you about being a soul winner, right? He that wins souls, he that winneth souls is wise. So again, I looked up that word winneth and wise. Winneth means to go ahead and capture, to take, to go ahead and, and find somebody. Winneth, I won, I won something. You know, we were at the, 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 the outreach here, and no one was coming to our table to sign up for our raffle. So my wife says, I'm going out and getting some people. <laughs> he that winneth the cards. <laughs> so you have, he said, well, no one's come across my path to get saved. No, you got to go win them, grab them, get them. And wise means to be skillful, crafty, cunning, to, to understand how to win them over to the Lord. Get in their grill or get in their psyche or find out what they like so that you can talk to them about how the Lord can minister to them. So one of the encouragements or one of the things that made me say, you know what, I got to bring some people to the Lord is when I listened to Helen or Mary K. Baxter, sometimes she goes by Helen, Mary K. Baxter she talks about how she was on a trip with the Lord for 30 nights. She would go to hell, and she, then she would go to heaven. And she talked about it, and she wrote a book, and she's, it's in tapes. And I was going to play it, but I said, you know what? 
she's a little eerie, so I better read some of the things. And so that you can see just the torture and the torment that the people in hell are going through and how they wish they would have had someone to talk to them and change their mind and bring them into the direction of following the Lord. Now listen to this. I stood beside on the path that Jesus was on and looked into one of the pits in hell. Brimstone was embedded in the side of the pit and glowed red like hot coals of fire. In the center of the pit was a lost soul who had died and gone to hell. Fire began at the bottom of the pit, swept upward, and clothed the lost soul in flames. In the moment, the fire would die down to embers, then with a rushing sound would sweep back over the tormented soul in the pit. This ever, you know, continuous. I looked and saw that the lost soul in the pit was caged inside a skeleton form. My Lord, I cried at the sight. Can't you let him out? How awful was the sight. I thought this could be me. I said, Lord, how sad it is to see and know that a living soul is there. I heard a cry from the center of the pit. I saw a soul in the form of a skeleton crying, Jesus, have mercy on me. Oh, Lord, I said, it was the voice of a woman. I looked at her and wanted to pull her out of the fire. The sight of her broke my heart. The skeleton form of a woman with a, was a dirty gray mist inside and was talking to Jesus. In shock, I listened to her. Decayed flesh hung by shreds from her bones. And as it burned, it fell off into the bottom of the pit where her eyes had once, now, had once been, now were only empty sockets. She had no hair. The fire started at her feet in small flames and grew as it climbed up over her body. The woman seemed to be constantly burning, even when the flames were only embers. From deep inside her came cries and groans of despair. Lord, Lord, I went out of here. God have mercy, I cried as the fire reached its peak and the horrible burning started all over again. Great cries and deep sobs shook the form of this woman. She was lost. There was no way out. Jesus, I said, why is she here? And I said in a small voice, for I was very scared. They moved on. We came to the next pit, which was the same size as the other one, in another skeleton form. A man's voice cried from the pit, saying, Lord, have mercy on me. Only when they spoke could I tell whether the soul was a man or a woman. Great wailing sobs come from this man. I'm so sorry, Jesus. Forgive me. Take me out of here. I've been in this place of torment for years. I beg you, let me out. Great sobs shook his skeleton frame as he begged. Jesus, please let me out. I looked at Jesus, and he, he too was crying. Jesus said, it is written, thou shalt live by faith. All mockers and unbelievers shall have their part in the lake of fire. You would not believe the truth. Many times my people were sent to you to show you the way, but you would not listen to them. You laughed at them and refused the gospel. Even though I died on the cross for you, you mocked me and would not repent of your sins. My Father gave you many opportunities to be saved if only you had listened. Jesus wept. I know, Lord, I know, the man said, but I repent now. It's too late, Jesus said. Just, judgment is set. The man continued, Lord, some of my people are coming here, for they also will not repent. Please send them and tell them while they're still here on earth. So Jesus, I'm cutting it short. Jesus told him, you know, there's many prophets and, and evangelists and teachers that can tell them. If they don't listen to them, they won't listen to someone that I sent. At this time, the man became very angry and began to curse. 
Evil, blasphemous words came from him. I looked on in horror as the flames rose up and his dead, decaying flesh began to burn off and fall off. Inside this dead shell of a man, I saw his soul. It looked, looked like a dirty gray mist, and it filled the inside of his skeleton. I turned to Jesus and cried, Lord, how horrible. Jesus said, hell is real. The judgment is real. I love them so, my child. This is only the beginning of the frightful things I have to show you. There is much more to come. Tell the world for me that hell is real, that men and women must repent of their sins. Come follow me. We must go on. So the shark... The stark reality is that there is a hell that we have to shun. There's a heaven that we can gain. And God wants to use us to go out and reach those that need to know about Christ. So when you see somebody that you like or even that you don't like, and you have to think in your mind, are they going to heaven or are they going to hell? And does God want to use me to make up the difference, to reach them? That gave me the, the impetus to, to be a soul winner, to be wise, to figure out how can I get this person to realize that God is the answer to the salvation of their souls. Uh, hopefully, that me, in me reading that brings the reality to the fact that if you don't do the right thing, if you don't live for Christ, you will not make it into heaven. This, this is not, like I said, a playground. This is not something that you just do for fun and play and then you get into God and you, you know, you're graded on a curve. You know, like, did the bad outweigh the good? You know, Christianity is the only religion that's based on, uh, not, not based on works, but based on did you accept Jesus into your heart. And when you accept Jesus into your heart, then he begins to work and move and maneuver in your life. So God wants to use you and bring fruit into your life as a soul winner. Amen? How many of you are up for that? How many of you want to do that? Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, I just thank you for the privilege to... Address your people and allow them to realize that there is fruit that needs to be gained here. Fruit in ourself, in righteousness and holiness. Fruit of our lips and then most importantly, fruit of soul winning. Bringing people to know who you are and what you've done for them so that they can have eternal life. And so Father, I just thank you that you impart upon the people the desire and the wisdom to go forth and do the things that you've called them to do because you already preordained before in the foundation of the, of the earth. All, that, all, those, all those that agree with that say amen. Amen. amen.